Welcome to Fuse Tap with Kenny Estes and Isla Krem. NFTs and games specifically are super hot right now. Axie Infinity is on track to be the fastest growing game of all time. We have two expert speakers in today to talk about the fast burgeoning play to earn space. Michael Vorhaus of Vorhaus Advisors and Santiago Jaramillo, Chief Product Officer of Game On. Come learn something about the very exciting NFT gaming world. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, the more observant of you will notice the lack of our favorite bald-headed female. She actually had a baby yesterday. So as all of you should know at this point, um, we are completely useless without her. So if there are any technical glitches, apologies in advance and thank you for your patience for those of you who have been here before. Um, and for those of you for the first time, eh, if you don't like it, give it another world another time. Um, she so responded this, to an email from me this morning. So I'm, I'm amazed that she's checking her email. I'll tell you what, man, she literally was sending emails at 7.30 in the morning yesterday. The baby came out at 9.30. Like, I don't, I'm just like, why? Okay, whatever. Um, so just for everybody, what you can expect for your uh, what's on tap. So we're going to briefly talk about Diffuse Tap. It's where you are right now. We're going to talk about Diffuse. We do this every week. Um, and in fact, this is the, oh, over here, 75th time we've done it, which is just bananas. Um, we're going to do a fireside chat with our two speakers. More on them in a second. And then we're going to do two more rounds, hopefully, if we can get the tech things working, of breakout rooms similar to the one you just experienced. Groups of four or five just give you a chance to network a smidgen. So what is Diffuse? So what we do, networking, 45 minutes or so. It's just a chance to get a bunch of people, alternative investors from all over the world to get together and let serendipity, serendipity do its thing. 15 minutes, we do a fireside chat with our expert speakers so that you come away a little bit more knowledgeable and a little bit more connected. And then just so you know, November 16th in Los Angeles, there is an in-person version of this event. Uh, there will be other issues, but non-tech. Uh, why do we do this? What is Diffuse? We are an alternative fund incubator. We try to find high alpha, more esoteric investment strategies um, and turn them into institutional grade fund vehicles. Two of those are actually DeFi funds. One is MaxFi, launched back in September. That's a market long exposure. So um, we, we stake in, in DeFi pools for yield. And the other one is StableFi. It's market neutral, meaning we don't have any exposure to crypto volatility, but can still generate you know, pretty high yields relative to what you're going to get in your bank account. So uh, we're joined today by Mike Warhouse and Santiago Jaramillo. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly. I'm really bad with introductions, so we usually hand it over to y'all to do your own uh, brief intro. Mike, do you want to take it away first? Yes, the great, the great uh, connection to COVID, uh, the Zoom, you are muted. Uh, thanks a lot for having me. I think what you guys do is, you know, super cool. And we had a great little two minute breakout already. Uh, so I, uh, I spent a bunch of years doing some politics stuff, did some advanced work for a couple of the white houses and whatnot, and, uh, got into the, uh, university fundraising for 20 years and 25, 28 years ago, went to work for Maggot and ran their digital and internet and consumer research area, gaming included, went out on my own about three years ago. I've Spent a bunch of time, luckily, with some super successful early stage companies like Overwolf and Skills and DraftKings and others, Tenor. And I've uh, been very interested in a lot of the emerging uh, uh, new spaces related to gaming and glad to be here. That's great. Thank you very much for coming. And Santiago, do you want to briefly introduce yourself to? 
Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm uh, Chief Product Officer at GameOn. It's a startup that focuses on gamification technologies for, for business partners, uh, IP holders. Um, my primary background is in, in video games. I was at Electronic Arts as the creative director and lead producer for the FIFA franchise for over 10 years. I also made mobile games at Scopely in LA. Uh, and maybe I'm here because um, after EA, I joined um, Dapper Labs as the head of sports um, and came up with the concept for NBA Top Shot and the designs for that NFT product that obviously exploded earlier this year. So that was my initiation into the NFT world and really kind of the, the intersection of sports, entertainment, gaming. Uh, and since then, I've stay, I, I stayed fairly active in, in the space. Tell me about your options. <laughs> Love uh, it. Yeah. yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah. This close. <laughs> uh, so I guess the first question then is to you, Santiago, uh, and it's open ended. But the question is, how, how has gaming changed, changed since Game Boy? I came up with consoles, things like that. <laughs> what are the recent developments that you're seeing? What are you really excited about, both at, at Game On and the and the larger industry? Because Lord knows it's changing fast right now. Well, uh, there's so much that, that has changed. Uh, I think there's many ways of answering that question and taking a long time. So I think trying to stay brief, um, you know, back in the, as I think about it, back in 90s, early 2000s, the evolution was all about almost improving the AAA quality, right? It was, it was all about more powerful consoles, better graphics, more immersive worlds and so on. And with the rise of mobile gaming, what we've seen is actually an abstraction of, of what gameplay even means uh, and make things more social, more hyper-casual. In fact, casual and hyper-casual are, are the fastest growing segments within mobile and mobile is the fastest growing segment within, within gaming. So it kind of shows you where things have shifted. And the reason why, you know, something that underpins and I think it applies to NFTs and, and stuff that we will discuss later is that things, the abstraction of gameplay is, is a really important thing, right? So if, if we were talking about video games 15 years ago, the description of the gameplay of the game would almost always lead to you're kicking a ball, you're shooting a gun, you're, you're jumping, you're doing something that was very um, uh, kind of traditional in that sense. And now gameplay can mean swiping your finger on your screen, playing, candy, uh, playing Fruit Ninja or creating puzzles on Candy Crush and so on, right? So... So gameplay has has become uh, has has abstracted itself to something much more fluid, and games is all the layers that you kind of add on top of that. And so I think that is is one big vector in terms of the evolution. And the other big one I would say is, I mean, we could talk about VR and stuff like that, but I think that keeps kind of having these these failures to to launch in, in many ways. But the the creator economy I think is the other big part, right? Is is how uh, the relationship between publishers and the players is, especially with things like NFTs and decentralized marketplaces, is going to continue to change where the, the publisher is not just selling something to players, but they're creating experiences and ecosystems where players can come and be also creators and capture some of the value that they themselves are participating in. So I think that that is one of the, the biggest, I think, new ways that, that we're seeing now in NFTs is a big part of that. That's great. Mike, over to you. Same question. So what last five, 10 years or so, what are the major developments that the audience might not be privy to in this space? 
Well, I want to totally uh, agree in, in regard to the creator economy. And, you know, I was with somebody recently uh, here in Israel and um, they were described as a, as an influencer. Then they got to be a discussion about as a creator and influencer, always influencer, always a creator. And I think the whole point here is no matter what it is, a book, a piece of art, a digital representation, is that we have the tools now to do these things. We can make games, we can make art, we can make videos, it's not expensive. And people's tastes end up being a lot broader than maybe uh, all these failed TV executives knew. And so, you know, am I saying we're gonna have a, a class of people equivalent, you know, uh, you know, real estate brokers or, or, or something, I, you know, maybe it won't be that broad, but I don't think we have the slightest idea how big and how much money is it, it, you know, think about the, um, about the, you know, the, the, the brush sales guy, the fuller brush salesman. I mean, there are just so many newspaper, you know, guys who had newspaper routes, you know, they had other guys working for them and they made money. And the point is, is that, is that the creation tools have unlocked business models and unlike the fact that everybody is, well, maybe not everybody, I'm not sure I am, but like so many more people are creators. I mean, we see it on, you know, the, the talent shows on TV. I mean, there's thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people with all these talents. And um, I just think, you know, the entertainment world, we're going to have 10 times more content in five years and a thousands more content in 10 years. And a lot of people are going to make, you know, some folding change and a lot of people are going to make some really good money and it just turns the entire big hits big budget big screen just blows it away i think that's great and then let's transition that and keep with you mike for the question here to uh, nfts so first off maybe for those who aren't familiar with it what are nfts and then how do they kind of factor into what's going on in this space right now well santiago might do a better job on the definition than me but you know and i'll I mean, I've done some work in this area, maybe not as much as other people. Look, NFTs are non-fungible tokens. Everybody on the phone probably knows it. So the idea is, is that it's, a, it's, a, it's an ownership tag and it's a transaction record. And it's in this large public, usually not always, blockchain, which has you know, thousands of computers keeping you know, tons of records. And you have to have a, 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 you know, a wisdom of the crowd, if you will, to change it or alter it or sell it. And it's you know, safe, it's immutable, you know, it's, 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 it's private, uh, you know, uh, there are food companies using NFTs to, to mark pieces of food where they're going to track if there's a problem. You know, we all know about the entertainment applications that have been all over the place. Uh, people are using the blockchain to register land and tying NFTs to that. Strauss Zelnick did a, uh, the CEO and chairman of Take Two, did an interview with me for Games Beat a week ago, and he not only drew a really mediocre palm tree, but he actually, somebody on the staff actually put it up and sold it as, a, as an NFT. And my gut tells me it's not a greater fool theory. I think there'll be some fools probably losing some money here and there. And I think if you think you get 10,000 bucks for, you know, this top shot, you might not get that 10,000 bucks in a year, but I bet you in five years, you'll get like 100,000 bucks for it. Um, and also it's ownership and collection. Again, it's stuff people like to do. Santiago, with your experience at Dapper, obviously you got an interesting perspective. You want to, you want to add on that NFTs and how they play into this uh, space? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Mike, that, that's a very good summary. Uh, yeah, I think the definition of NFTs, everyone knows it here. Uh, if I zoom out a lot, 
I think what NFTs are doing is, is, is changing our relationship to digital goods, right? So the way we, we used to relate to digital goods where we would say something like, I own this Fortnite skin will change because now we understand that you actually don't own it. Uh, the, the idea of ownership is, is now being challenged by what NFTs actually allow you to do. So true ownership, verified scarcity on the blockchain, all these types of things. Um, and something that gets maybe a little bit overlooked, but I think will become more and more of a thing, right? If we look at the first wave of NFTs was uh, all about true ownership. Like I said, just challenging our, our idea of what it means to own a digital asset. The second um, wave is all going to be about utility. So is what can I do with this NFT? What doors does it unlock? What can I play with this NFT? And I think um, a, a sort of sidebar that's going to come out of that is going to be exploring more the programmability of NFTs. I think um, not enough people talk about NFTs as something that actually can be programmed, right? And that it has properties that depending on what you do with the NFT, it can change, it can do something else. That's why it can be applied to contracts and, you know, in real life. So usually we look at, again, in, in the headlines, we look at NFTs as it's just a piece of art or it's just a collectible from a media top shot. But I think we're going to evolve where NFTs are going to become much more complex in how they get programmed. And because of that, they're going to enable experiences that uh, right now we're not even really imagining. I, I equate where we are with NFTs. Um, I think this is, a, sorry, my, my last point um, is, is that there's certain products out there like NBA Top Shot, for example, that the production quality is very high. And so it creates this idea or this perception that the space is very mature and that it's been there for a long time. But actually that's a, it's, it's really a, a mirage because the space is so early. I mean, the developer tools are still so early, the UX of you still buying crypto and you know, going on OpenSea, that's still nowhere near what a traditional you know, video game is uh, in terms of onboarding and ease of use. And so really where we are, despite some of these high quality products and despite some of these numbers, it's like being in the 56K modem era of the internet, right? And so when we were there, we could not imagine streaming a movie right, uh, on, online, but now that happens. And so I think we, we should not let ourselves get carried away by these ups and downs of the market, crypto prices. Some products look very raw. Some products look very high production quality. I think ultimately we are very early. And the fact that there's some high production products um, just gives me a lot of confidence in this space moving forward. That's great. Love it. Like, like your talking points on a super open-ended question too. Question from Brent um, for you. And I'll keep it with you, Santiago, because it picks up on one of the threads you just mentioned. Um, gamification as it pertains to education, is that kind of, is that part of one of the things that you see happening in the future uh, of NFTs or is that kind of a separate concept or do you have any kind of thesis there? Um. I'm sure there's a way to tie it to NFTs, but I, I would love to answer that actually more directly about gamification because I am very bullish about gamification. That's actually what my current company does. And uh, um, I kind of feel like you could gamify the world, right? Um, and the reason why, I, why I'm bullish on it, first of all, you can have bad applications of gamification and you can have good ones. It says you can have good and bad of, of anything, right? So this is not, hey, gamification as a buzzword, the problem with it is that you're gonna have good products and bad products. And if you look at the bad products, then you, you reach a different conclusion. But in general, going back to my previous point around the abstraction of gameplay, you know, I think about why does my meditation app 
which is one of the top ones in, in the world. Why does it have a streaks counter? You know, wh why do I turn it on and every time I finish my meditation it gives me a, a new check mark so that I, it, it compels me to go the next day. And even if all I want to do is meditate 10 minutes in silence, I still open that app to turn on the timer, even though I could just as easily use the timer on my iPhone, right? The reason I do it is because that streak mechanic is a very proven mechanic from video games that if you adapted to other things, even outside of video games, it compels and it taps into specific uh, psychological hooks that we have and emotional connections that we have. And you can think about that in the terms of streaks. You can think about it, you know, or look at video games in general. Why is it that whether it's the most hardcore immersive AAA game uh, like Red Dead Redemption or Uncharted, they have, they share some of the same elements as the most hyper casual mobile game in terms of, you know, completing quests or an inventory or, um, I don't know, collecting items and this kind of thing is because these things appeal to a more primary motivation that we have. And so the answer to, to, to the question is, I don't know exactly what the application or, or how the incarnation of this would be when it comes to education, but I'm very convinced that there are these levers that we have as humans that you can pull in any area of life uh, with the right mechanics to make it more successful. I actually think that Sometimes I, I dream about doing that for just like life in general, where you could get, you know, there would be a leaderboard about who's recycling the most, you know, in your city. Or uh, if, you know, the, if you reduce your number of miles that you drive, you get some reward that then unlocks a fancy dinner at a restaurant in your city or like whatever, right? At the end of the day, we're all kind of seeking status, recognition, validation. And these things can be, um, can be incentivized by these types of mechanics. So, so I do believe that gamification plays a role outside of games. Love it. Uh, Mike, same question to you and more broadly is gamification. Where do you see that applying to the real world and the bleed between it? And if you can think of how it pertains to NFTs as well, that'd be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, presumably the role of NFTs in gamification is kind of record keeping. I, I think I'd rather just speak to uh, to gamification and non-gaming situations. Um, it is amazing to me how many times people haven't either made them meaningful or fun. So I think if you just do those two things, um, it can apply to almost anything. And as people get older, I mean, hell, I'm 63. I'm not opposed to the idea. My 95-year-old mother would think it's silly. Certainly a 12-year-old doesn't think it's silly. But, like, I'm here in Israel right now in the local taxi online service called Get. Every now and then they're like, you know, oh, you've won this, you've won that. And, you know, and all it is is like cosmetics. And I, th I remember once it was like, oh, you get one of the top thousand drivers. And I'm like, no, I want the driver closest to my hotel. Um, but but again, it's mo I mean, it's just one of the worst examples. Um, there's an example I love and I will not get deep into it because the guy's got a really good idea. But I'll just say that somebody has built and I'm going to just call it a make believe world and you live in that game world and you learn about things, not so much facts as much as how to use facts. And it goes back to this, you know, education thing. And like every step of the way, you know, you, you have good teamwork and you earn some points and that's meaningful and you advance your skills and companies are paying for this. And I, I mean, you know, isn't the world gamified anyway? So I basically agree with everything Santiago said. <laughs> and by the way, I was totally right. I love being right. He did a much better job explaining NFTs than I did. Almost inspiringly so. Yeah, no, we, we think it's so. fascinating. We, uh, Ren, uh, 
we hear from a second here is uh, we, we spun up a, like a beta uh, Axie Infinity Scholarship program just to learn or he did. I, I didn't do it. Um, and uh, just for that exact reason, the gamification of just labor in general is just absolutely fascinating. Like it could be a complete world changer. But we have not so scientifically determined people lose focus after about 15 minutes of the fireside chat. So we're going to do another breakout room. Um, quick etiquette items. One, be kind. Oh, this one, be kind to each other. And then also no pitching. It's networking. Don't just kind of pitch whatever you're pitching. Um, no participant list is going to be shared after this just for privacy reasons. So if you find somebody you think you might be able to work with or whatever, uh, swap details then and there. We also do have a Telegram group that we'll drop in the chat and be in the follow-up email um, briefly on the breakout rooms and then um, well, actually I'll kick it and then I'll kick it over to Ren. Uh, best usually introduce yourself unless you know everybody already discuss the topic for about 10 minutes and then um, not that last thing we usually don't do that. Uh, Ren do you want to give a topic and uh, throw people away? Yep the topic for this breakout room is what might boost adoption rates to bring NFT gaming faster into the mainstream? I'll put the question in chat just so everyone can use it for reference. And you should be getting an invite to a breakout room in about three seconds once I reshuffle because we had some people drop. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. I think we did better with round two of breakout rooms. Hopefully you got to uh, meet some interesting folks there. We near always do the same question in between while we give Ren a chance to reshuffle the rooms. So Mike, we'll start with you. And reminder, you're probably muted. Um, trends is is the topic. So crystal ball time what do you see in the next five to ten years in the gaming nft choose your poison where wherever you're uh you want to prognosticate yeah i think i'm nft'd out for the day sure. uh, um uh cross-platform absolutely uh connected tv gaming absolutely um live ops is going to continue to just get better and better monetization rates for free-to-play games are going to go up Steam is a behemoth. Is that good enough? <laughs> sure. Perfect. Sounds good. Um, Santiago, same thing to you. Trends, uh, what you first of all time, what do you got? I think we'll continue to see that again, that abstraction of what gameplay means. Uh, and we'll continue to just discover new ways that people interact with an application or a space or with a community where you can overlay gamification on top of it. Um, I think the creator economy is going to get, so it's already becoming, you know, it, even before NFTs, it was already growing things like Roblox, uh, Minecraft, those types of, of games, right? And, and, and they're growing really, really fast. And what I think will happen is that when some of these more established and incumbent game publishers start adopting some elements of, of, of NFTs, um, in terms of decentralized marketplace, uh, you know, uh, the programmability of, of the smart contract and, and so on, um, the creator economy will will explode because now all of a sudden, if you, let's say, are the creator on Roblox, now, right now, you, Roblox is still capturing most of, of the value of anything that's created on that platform. Uh, and in other words, there's not enough incentive to be a creator on Roblox unless you're in the top, you know, 1%. But with a decentralized economy and where the creator is the one that captures the largest percentage of, of the value that they are creating, um, then I think there'll be way more incentives. And so the amount of creators will multiply. The amount of content, uh, of content will multiply. 
And this will also be good for the publishers because even if you look at something like NBA Top Shot, about two thirds to between a quarter and two thirds of the sales volume actually comes from the secondary marketplace, right? So much of the big numbers that you see come from having created a community that exchanges between themselves. Uh, and the reason they do it is because they are capturing most of the value. If NBA Top Shot was, you know, Dapper Labs was capturing 95% of every transaction, then you wouldn't have that, that, that amount of volume. So I think that will transform, um, or it will almost add like rocket fuel to the developer tools around creator economy. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit less bullish on, on VR and, and those types of things. Um, maybe because I feel like there's, if, I don't know, I won't go there because I don't think it's going to be a trend, but I have, I have, I have thoughts on, on why I'm not super uh, bullish on, on that front. Love it. Very thorough response. Brilliant. Um, Ren, and probably reminder, you're probably muted. Do you want to uh, give another topic for the next breakout room and send people yeah. off? Sure. The topic for the next breakout room is there appears to be a consensus that the model should be play and earn, not play to earn. What's the difference? You should get an invite to the breakout rooms now and have fun. Can you repeat that? Sure. There appears to be consensus that the model should be play and earn and not play to earn. What's the difference? All right, everybody. Welcome back. Hope you had some good conversations. We're going to do a quick wrap up and then uh, call it for the day right here at the top of the hour. Um, so again, as a reminder, the speakers of the day were Mike Borhaus and Santiago Jaramillo, who did not actually pronounce his or correct, correct my pronunciation. Oh, that's right. I did it wrong. Um, we did the housekeeping items. And then up next, uh, we do this, for those who are new, we do this every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central. Um, great if you're in the Central time zone, less good if you're on the West Coast, but we like have people from Europe, so hence the time. Um, but next week, we do are talking about creative crypto investments via multi-strategy. So this is a very practical um, uh, session. And then do not forget, November 16th in LA, hosted by our favorite Craig Isaac, you can see a uh, bunch of people in person with an in-person version of this. And the Telegram group chat is in your link. It will also be in a follow-up email you should receive in the next day or so. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Ren, standard question I usually ask Ayla, are there any talking points that I missed that I should have touched on? Nope, I think you got everything. Okay, sounds good. Well, Mike Santiago, thank you so much for donating some of your time and, and experience to the group here. And to everybody in the audience, thank you for showing up. Hopefully you got some value out of this. And uh, don't be strangers. Hope to see you next week. You've been listening to Diffuse Tap with Isla Krem and Kenny Estes. If you enjoyed these conversations, join us for the live version every Wednesday-ish at 10 a.m. Central. In addition to the fireside chat, the live event features three rounds of networking in small groups with alternative fund GPs, LPs, and supporters from around the world. Log on to www.diffusefunds.com to register yourself now.